Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. That's me. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. As you can tell, it's more of a melancholy episode um, because there is some very sad news that have come out. Joe Thomas is announcing, has announced his retirement. Um, The 10,363 snaps that he played as a pro will be his last snaps. It is kind of amazing. He played a solid 10,363, and that was it. With no breaks and, and no extras. Like as, as soon as he stopped, he stopped. Yeah. I'm sad. I, I was sad yesterday when I found out Mark yelled whenever I told him. I, I ran downstairs <laughs> and was like, he retired. He's done. The Browns just announced it. And it was an immediate, no, and like slamming hands on the couch. I and was just, slamming. He was... If there anger was, there was is my reaction. Anger, yeah. sadness, but so much respect for the best football player we've ever watched as Browns fans. Um, I, I, there's probably not enough words to say about Joe Thomas, to be perfectly honest. I'm, I have always been jealous of people who watch Jim Brown play live. Because I wanted to kind of like know what that was like. That mm-hmm. that sort of like dominance, that level of player. On the and, Browns. And it's a little different when it's a running back versus a left tackle. But right. like for looking back on the last eleven years of Joe Thomas being the left tackle in Cleveland Browns, like that was the rock. We never had to worry about it. Like he was always gonna be the best player on the field. He he's like the Jim Brown of his position. I texted a friend He's the best to ever do it, and it's hard to argue otherwise. And if you had told me in 2007 when we drafted him that we were going to get the best player ever at, at that position. position. Yeah, unbelievable. I so distinctly remember that draft, too. And I thought I it was, was a good pick. I was, like, pumped about it because we needed I don't know. line help. I think I still was at an infant stage in my understanding of football and what <laughs> is good to, like, how to build a football team. Like, why do we want a left tackle? Like, yeah. I was mad, A, that we didn't get Calvin Johnson because he was off the board. Yeah. And I was, B, angry that we didn't get Adrian Peterson because, uh, you know, the Browns offense just yeah. needed so much help. Who was the first but, pick that year? <laughs> Jamarcus Russell. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Freaking Raiders. <laughs> uh, but... To think about Joe, I mean, everybody's retelling the story this week about him fishing, and that was awesome. But I just so distinctly, like, that draft was so, it was, I think it was Phil Savage's first draft. And um, I actually heard him talking about it. He's been on a few, in a few media appearances over the last couple of days, talking about Joe Thomas um, since he took him. And he was saying that, he didn't necessarily assume that Joe Thomas was going to be like a perennial all pro, but he was a safe pick all the way around because of his, the flexibility is positional flexibility. Mm -hmm. If it didn't work out at left tackle, which is so hilarious to think about. (laughs) Like, you you know, like literally they're having this conversation in the Browns office. Like you can bump him over the right side. And if that doesn't work out, you can just bump him inside. He has enough, like, you know, he'll be fine. If, if Joe Thomas isn't good enough, we yeah. can just like put him at guard. Yeah. yeah, and just to see where his career went from there. To, like literally every season that he played and was healthy, he made the Pro Bowl. Yep. Yeah. Ten-time Pro Bowler. Six-time uh, first-team All-Pro. It's just unbelievable. Ten well, Pro Bowls was, in a row. Ten Pro Bowls which in a row. Which partially is fortunate. He came came into the league right at the end of Jonathan Ogden's career. 
who had like eight or nine Pro Bowls mm-hmm. in a row. Like, if you were a left tackle in the AFC during like a 20 year span, you had no chance to well, make the Pro Bowl no, but unless we're ta- you were but you're Ogden confusing, or you're Joe confusing Thomas. All, you're confusing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, to I be a Pro Bowl saying. starter. Like, you, you had no chance to, yeah. to be there and be that so, guy. I, but to me, the thing that is so great about Joe Thomas is not just how fantastic he was on the field, but like everybody complains about their job, right? Like everybody has like crappy parts of everything that they do like every day. Mm-hmm. Joe Thomas got put in the worst possible situation, like to be a football player, and kept his head up, had a smile on his face, wanted to stay in Cleveland. Like, if anyone deserved to get out of Cleveland, it was Joe Thomas. Like oh, that yeah. guy played yeah. he, he at played a level. He played his way out of Cleveland. He, yeah, and I don't even think a Browns fan would have been upset if, like, he hit free agency and decided to go yeah, elsewhere. If he played, they would have said, "Thank you. We, you deserve better. Like, yeah. and we're and we're happy for you to Which, be playing." And I'll probably say s- is one of the reasons why I'm so upset that Joe is leaving now. That his body gave out now, and that he can't be there right. for when we have Tyrod Taylor, who's the best quarterback perhaps that we've had in the last eight years no he's a he's, he's the best quarterback we've had since 99 but having like, all of these weapons yep. that he would have the ability to block for it's just it's just so sad to be on the precipice of this and him say did you guys listen to the tomahawk pod hear yeah, him course. describe the just like the degradation of his knees and how just painfully awful it was it's not something that he like a decision he made lightly um it was painful for me to listen to oh, everything he described. It made me sad. I almost cried. Like, I just, like, because it was someone that I love so much and have watched so much. And I'm like, man, it, like, I knew how much he gave up for the Browns, but to hear how much he gave up day in and day out. Like, getting out of bed was a real struggle every single day because of how bad his knee hurt. So my point I was starting to make. Um, okay. <laughs> Until I was so rudely interrupted. <laughs> But the, my point is, is like I think we easily can see how other football players would respect Joe Thomas. But like the fact that he went about his craft and his work every single day with the attitude that he did when he played for the Browns and was so adamant about doing his best no matter what. When, to be real, three quarters of the games that he played didn't matter because the Browns weren't in contention. Yeah, like to think about bringing that sort of excellence to the table every single time. Like, even somebody that hasn't really played football and really like doesn't know what that's like. Like, I can relate that to my day to day job. Mm-hmm. Like, I even saw, though what I'm doing sucks, like to bring the absolute best to the table, that's really impressive. I saw there was a calculation that mathematically. Joe Thomas played in 30 games where that didn't matter because the Browns were mathematically eliminated. Like legitimately didn't Like matter. legitimately eliminated. And that doesn't even include the ones where they were, like, let's be honest, all intents and purposes eliminated from the playoffs, which was just about every single play of Joe Thomas's career, unfortunately. Um, what I so appreciate, I, I just – We've never seen a player who has just in like Joe Hayden probably came close, who just like so embodied the city and embraced like what it was to be a Cleveland Brown. Um, and other than his salary, 
like you're saying, I mean, he was getting paid $15 million a year. No, no, his he job, didn't quite make it. He never made no, it No, not, not quite that far. He's, I think it was at He would have made that, yeah. but that's because we were going to give him more. Like, he wasn't anywhere close. He was like 12 was the most he ever made. But whatever, $10 million. Like, he had the crappiest job in the world if you took salary out of, like, you're, you're laboring in physical pain day in and day out for nothing. To protect the worst quarterbacks in the yes. NFL for a team that never wins any games. I don't remember hearing Joe Thomas complain about never. anything. Never. And like always had his coaches back. Hey, maybe, always had his coaches back and the organization's maybe back. Maybe that's a fault. Like I don't know, maybe he should have stood up and said something. That's not a fault. Um, but just like the the best dude in the world and I remember um, the Super Bowl 2 years ago. <clears throat> I had the privilege to go, and Mark was there with me, and we were at an event, like a yeah, pre-Super Bowl we party. We told this on the pod at one point, for some of yeah. our early listeners, maybe, that might have heard this story. And we were at this party, and there was everybody there. I mean, like, tennis stars, there's football players, there were, like, super, like, I, I remember standing next to Jameis Winston at one point, and... And Guy Fieri. Others, and Guy Fieri. <laughs> Which is funny. We have a funny picture of Guy Fieri talking to Kevin, Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> they were really engaged, which is, a, too. Which is amazing. Like they were thoroughly enjoying no, each other's presence. No, they both were so pumped to see each other. <laughs> Guy Fieri and Kevin Sumlin. Um, and there was all this like noise and distraction. And the one person I wanted to talk to was Joe Thomas, because obviously I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. And the only thing that I could think to like say to him was just say, like, thank you for the way that you have been. Like, being a Cleveland Browns fan is tough, but, like, watching the way that you go about your business and the way that you work and the way that you've been loyal to the city, like, it gives everybody hope. Mm -hmm. And that's what Joe Thomas brought for 11 years was hope and optimism. Like, if imagine these last 11 years without Joe Thomas. Yeah. Um, if if we had a scrub at left tackle and like our quarterbacks were just getting destroyed, we would have gone zero and sixteen more than once oh if yeah. we didn't have Joe Thomas. And the thing is, is like when we would go and we interact with him, he's such a great guy. He was so engaging. He was like thanking us for being Browns fans. He was like, just he was pumped like, that there were Browns, like, Browns fans. There. <laughs> he's just like so stoked. I've read stories about wearing people. his congle. Oh like, yeah, he was just into it. it. He was just talking to people and like. We were Browns fans. We were saying how much we appreciated him, and I, I was reading articles in that in that similar vein of like different people that said they got up and interacted with him in Cleveland. And um, this one guy said he had he was at a restaurant with him, and that people were just coming up to him all the time. Like I'm sure if Joe Thomas goes out in Cleveland, he can't get a second alone. Um, right. And this guy was saying he was standing at the bar and he was looking from a distance, and he was like, "I'm not going to bother him because like I'm a 30 year old man. I know that he just wants to have a dinner with his with his wife." Um, but but Joe got up and he's going to the bathroom or somebody and walked right by him and he looked Joe in the eyes and is that is that exact same sentiment he said, "Hey Joe, you make me proud to be a Browns fan." And this was like two years ago, and like, you make me proud to be a Browns fan. Like that's something. Like yeah. it's not it's it's hard to be proud to be a Browns fan. But Joe Thomas really does embody that um, spirit and that mentality of put your head down and keep going to work. And he does make people proud to be a Browns fan. And Joe. Didn't say much. He just looked him in the eyes and said, hey, thank you, man. That really means a lot. Um, and then he kept going. But he was so sincere and, like, genuine, the guy said. And, like, I just feel like that's who Joe Thomas is always, is he's sincere and genuine in all his interactions. Yeah. 
so one of the things that was most striking to me about listening to that podcast when he yeah. announced it with uh, Andrew Hawkins was they Andrew asked him of all the accolades you've won the entire time you've been here, like what means the most to you? And he said the Walter Payton Man of the Year award when he was the finalist. Yeah, it's. I think he's won. I'm not sure if he's, he's won. He's a finalist three no. different times. Was he just a f- either he, way? He never. Either I don't way, think he never won as a finalist it. those yeah. different times, and like that tells you what kind of guy Joe Thomas is. Of course, he's never won a Super Bowl, so that wasn't an option to pick from. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's um, one of the he's, he's one of the best players of all time, and he announced his retirement during one of the busiest free agency days of the year. Yeah, like so, like on NFL, want like on NFL.com, he was like the eighth story. Like, yep. it was all the way down on the bottom. He was not, like, if he had announced it, like, a month back, it would have been all that SportsCenter talked about. Which but. is so funny. If you, like, back up and take, like, a, a like, 30,000-foot view of NFL history, like, by far the most important thing that will happen on that day is Joe Thomas retiring. Good. I don't know. Kirk Cousins signing with the Vikings? No? I mean, maybe if that is the like impetus for guaranteed contracts for the rest of NFL players. <laughs> like, like that could True. be as impactful, but a, like no doubt first ballot hall of famer. Like oh, we'll, yeah. we'll be sitting here in 2023, five years from now. I want to go. I'll, let's no, do it. Seriously. I'll be there. Let's and, do it. And I'll be there I'm because in. he freaking deserves it, man. I, I would love to be there. Like, I, that I never had any. I mean, obviously, yeah. there hasn't been a brown. That's I haven't been cared worth years. a lick to go to the Hall of Fame ceremony, but I'll be there for Joe Thomas. Yeah, that would be awesome. awesome. I just and it'll be about in that. Canton, Ohio. Can you imagine? It is going to be a Ew. zoom. Oh my god! <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> I have not thought of that. That yeah. is going to be absurd. Oh my word! Yeah, I mean, yes. and Canton, Ohio is not like terribly far from Wisconsin. Like oh, all yeah. of the people who appreciate Joe Thomas are. Going to be in Canton, that, including the that three might be the brothers. biggest yeah. celebration that Canton, Ohio, has seen in quite some time. It'll be incredible. Yeah, so I can't wait. Joe for that. Thomas, um, we could go on for hours. I could do about how much no, we care about uh, Joe no, Thomas. Let's keep going. Um, it's important, but in all reality, he's left a huge hole on the field now, and I think we need to start thinking about what that's going to look like. We've talked off the podcast about that sounds, that sounds like you were blaming him no 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 no. i mean there's no i'm not how, blaming him at all like no, I, seriously how dare you michael i i do think i will say that my initial reaction shame shame <laughs> shame how don't you my initial reaction was no joe like how could you do this like mm. you i want you to be here to be a part of this and like no but there's a very real like effect on, but, on but the then world. hearing his perspective like i am 100 yeah. percent comfortable yeah. with the decision mm-hmm. that was made and like in no way want that to be the, I, the way I, that i'm portraying i would this feel dirty if he had come come back and played this year after hearing him talk right i would i wouldn't want him to but yeah. we wouldn't have known. That's the thing is he would have kept it quiet. Well, that was what was so funny is, you know, he talked early on in one of the first Tomahawk pods about like Here we his are fa- talking about Joe again. About his factors. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get no, there. Keep going. Michael. <laughs> it's okay. But like he talked about his three factors and it gave me a lot of confidence that he was going to come back because he was talking about mm-hmm. his health being the main reason and the main driver yeah. on him making the decision. 
But in my like feeble little mind, I was thinking, yeah, he was oh, healthy. well, like he, he just tore had... his tricep. It's okay. Like it, this is a injury. That people, this is an injury that people come back from. Like yeah. you don't hear about the crap that an NFL player yeah. has to go through. And I'm sure there's a spectrum and a, he might have been on the more rough end of the spectrum as far as like tendonitis and like that sort of stuff that he's dealing with. But I bet you it's way more common than the average Golly. fan like us like even has any idea or realizes. No, for sure. But if I could give him all of the cartilage in both my <laughs> knees, I would. Like I would just, I would for carve the how cart- many? I would carve the cartilage out myself and hand <laughs> how it to many him how in many? my hands. <laughs> Say, Joe, take my cartilage. For, for how many years? How many years would you have to guarantee that he was able to play? One, like two, <laughs> just one, one more year. I'll get a knee replacement. Don't yeah, you worry yeah, about it. Joe doesn't need the knee I replacement. I mean, knee replacements are like 25 years. We can get like two knee replacements the rest of our life. That's, be no good. That's fine. No I don't need my knees. <laughs> I just bought a hoverboard the other day. I just like... <laughs> just I scoot just, around. I just glide around everywhere I'm going. It's amazing. My knees are useless to me now. I have new electronic legs. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> No, I think I think Joe could get plenty of cartilage oh, if yeah. that was possible. <laughs> there, there are, there are many, thousands of Browns How many pounds fans. of cartilage could Joe Thomas he could get, amass? He could get better cartilage yeah. than yours, probably. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, That's hilarious. So the point I was trying to make, and not in a way that was not judgmental towards Joe Thomas and his wise decision to, to leave the game of football on the very top, um, was on the Browns need to figure out exactly what the answer is going to be at left tackle now. And I think there's a few options, but I, I don't know what the best option is. And I like that we aggressively went after tackles in free agency. Obviously, the front office knew that Joe's decision. And it's so not going to be Zach Banner. That's what I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No longer a Cleveland Brown. Yeah. Um, but what is your – I mean, to me, like – the way our roster is currently constructed, there's two options, in my opinion, is either you move Joel Batonio out. Joel. 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 Why did I say that? He's not Joel, Joel Embiid. He's not from Ghana. I'm like, watching I'm watching basketball. Maybe Joel, that's it. Joel the white man. Joel. <laughs> okay. Can we, uh, the, can, can we cut this part the of the podcast? Of a professional so I don't wrestler like an idiot? named Joel. Joel. <laughs> um, Joel Batonio potentially could move to left tackle. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's an ideal scenario. He played and in college. I don't remember people saying necessarily that that would be an option in the pros, but he, was, he showed that he has athleticism. He's a great guard. He was projected as a guard, though, like coming yeah. in. Like it was always yeah. known that he was a guard yeah. when he, we drafted him. It's a possibility. Um, and so one thought, in my opinion, is you take the best possible tackle and you draft the tackle at number four, and you take Quentin Nelson – and you move Betonio out there, that would be a situation that would be like fairly net positive. Because I don't think there's a guard on the roster you said, right you now. Said, you said take the best possible tackle. You mean best possible offensive, offensive lineman. lineman? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah. Yes. So you take Quentin Nelson at four. You're short up on the guard positions. and then People have talked helping. about him, too, as being having the athleticism to maybe play tackle. So that could be a situation where you're like, hey, we've got – three people on the roster who could potentially fill this position. We're just going to acquire the best possible group that we can and figure yeah, it out. Yeah, it is a funny situation, and Dane Brugler made a great point on Twitter, I noticed today, that like I don't think you draft a guy at four that's a natural like elite guard 
to move. Because you're thinking he might be able to play tackle. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just no, it's unwise. I, I would hope not to either. But <laughs> if you're going to draft Quentin Nelson, like, you've got to get Batonio on the field. So he's – so oh. one of them has to move to left tackle. Correct. Unless you can find yeah. a trading partner for – but there, there's no point in drafting them at four if you're going to trade one of your high-paid guards. So, like, you've got to get those three guys on the field, I'm including Zach. And it like, just all that. depends whether Joel Batonio can swap out because I don't think you put so Nelson I don't actually, out there. He did, Nelson played guard in college, or did he play tackle? Oh, yeah. he, he played, played guard. He played okay, guard. So McGlinchey like, was the left tackle. Like, that's not, that's not something he's doing in his rookie year, so it would all depend on if Joel can slide out there to the left tackle position and pick that back up. I don't yeah. think that's our best option. That was my first That was my first thought that came to mind yeah. whenever I found it's, out it's Joel It's an was, intriguing option where um, it's like, ooh, maybe this will fall. We keep all of our good just, offensive linemen on the field. And, and add a great one. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just because I want our strength to remain a strength, and the idea of like adding Quentin Nelson to the group was intriguing to me. Yeah. Like I, I just kind of like the idea of that in general. So I, I wish we didn't have the two highest-paid guards in the NFL. <laughs> but Batonio's <laughs> it's a good deal. No, they're He's, great. Batonio's yeah. good. Batonio got almost all of his money last year. Yeah. And like signing bonus and stuff. And like great. it not even just signing bonus, it's like a huge roster bonus I think he got last year. Sasha, and it's le- yeah. Gosh. Crushed it. Yeah. The Batonio deal is is a good deal. Yeah. Um Zeitler has to live up to his deal still a little bit. Um but then the next option, which I think we got some evidence of being like the option the Browns are like leaning towards at the moment through um, the different press conferences today and the news that came out today, is Sean Coleman moving from the right side over to the left side, um, which makes sense since we signed uh, what's-his-face from the Steelers. Hubbard. We yeah. signed Chris Hubbard from the Steelers. Solid, solid right tackle. It seems like anybody that's known this kid or played with this kid like has the world to say about him. And it sounds mm-hmm. like he would have played a bunch if he wasn't sitting behind two really good tackles, right? In Pittsburgh, right? Um, so I think we had there's reason to be quite optimistic about that situation on the right side. And Sean Coleman played his last two years at Auburn at left tackle, so to like move him there is not an unnatural place for him to play. It's not like he's been on the right side his whole career and is now just moving over there. But then yeah. at that point if we do that, all of a sudden left tackle is our weakest position on our offensive line, Correct. which is the exact opposite of what you want. I mean, I don't know what else we do about that, but right. but that is the case. That that would be true, but I don't know that we have anybody else on the roster with the raw talent and athleticism to play left tackle better than Sean Coleman. Like he's best equipped of everyone that's on the team. Absolutely. I think and, you're right. And it's it's not to say that he's going to be a great left tackle in the NFL cuz he's inconsistent and there's things he's got to work on. Um but he fits the bill. And so given the fact that we missed out on Nate Solder, like they were clearly trying to to go after him. There's not any other options on the free agent market. So unless we trade back and draft a rookie, like and like trade back, say, with Buffalo from four, and then we're at, what, 12 and 22, and we find somebody there that we like and draft a rookie who then we can put in place at left tackle. Like, Sean Coleman's our best option. One thing that we didn't get to talk about, so we did an emergency podcast based on all the trades, um, but we didn't get to talk about the trade of Danny Shelton because it actually happened the day after. 
Um, what do you guys think about us giving away Danny Shelton, one of our first round picks from the old regime, from the farmer regime? Um, so, so now the the most recent first round pick that we have, or the oldest tenured first round pick we have, is Corey Coleman. Um, Ooh, now he's so retired. Which is crazy. That is funny, actually, to think about, because the stat that came out that everyone was talking about is, like, the Browns no longer have any of their first-round picks from, like, 2008 or 2009 through 15 or something, the Shelton year. Mm -hmm. But that was because Joe Thomas was still on the roster. Now that Joe Thomas is retired, it's, you know. Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman. He's been on our team for two years. Yeah. Um, Josh Gordon's the longest-tenured Cleveland Brown by calendar. Mm -hmm. Oh. Anyways, so your Matthew, your thoughts on, on Danny the Shelton. Shelton trade? I mean, just the way that NFL is going, and the way that the Cleveland Browns defense is going, like Danny Shelton just wasn't a good fit. He only played forty-four percent of the defensive snaps last year. He's not a four-three defensive tackle. He's a he's a three-four nose tackle he run was stuffer. So good. Against the run, though, like he when was, I knew it was a running down, and Danny Shelton was in there. I had so much confidence that they weren't going freaking anywhere, which is great. And he was great, but he's a liability doing just about like any sort of pass rush, like just about anything else. He can't do. And if you're running Greg Williams four three, like he was aggressive dropping scheme, into coverage often. Yeah, that's a Greg Williams problem. That's yeah. a Greg Williams problem. <laughs> but like. But even, you're right. You're right. But you're even right. like you can't rush the passer from there with a guy who can't rush the passer. And like I think that was part of rush, 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 passer. rush the yeah, passer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Joel Embiid. Or Joel Batonio, whatever he said. Um, he just wasn't a good fit for Greg, Greg Williams' scheme. And just run stuffing defensive tackles aren't super valuable in the league right now because of the way that it's going towards the passing game. I you promise he's going to be valuable the on the Patriots. The Patriots are going to get some – they're going to squeeze every ounce of value that they can. Well, he's them. a much better fit for, for them. For a 3-4. Because yeah. they run like a hybrid a hybrid scheme, and he can be in there for the, the rushing downs, and he's going to lock it down, and that's going to be amazing. But yeah, I, Greg Williams wasn't prepared to utilize him properly, so – I'm surprised we couldn't get more for him. But everybody knew it. Yeah, but still. Like, the thing is, is when you're in a situation where you – I just don't know if it's better to just keep a guy like this situation. I, I'm inclined to think that I would rather keep him and use him for what he is this year. For on his, his contract. On his relatively cheap contract. Right. And just squeeze the most out of him for this last year, knowing you're not going to sign him next year. Then make the trade. Get a crap, and swap the get picks a crap and, pick for you know, him. Like, yeah. That sort of – like, I just don't – feel like we got enough to justify giving up this last year of Danny Shelton. What is it? So, what is it like a trade of good faith? Like you're really not getting anything, but at this, I mean, like, you're just like, Hey, we're friends. Like this is an alliance. Like I'm going to give this to you instead of releasing him into free agency. So he was really good on rushing downs. But if you went back and reviewed things after the season and decided, you know what? Danny Shelton's actually hurting us. Our just defense play him overall. on rushing downs. Just but play like, him on third But you don't short. know definitely But what a is a rushing down? down? Like, like goal line situations? Like only comes in on goal line situations? Yeah, sure. Or third and short. It's better than releasing him when we have this much salary cap. But I mean, like this, we have the space to keep him. But you have to remember that these people are like humans. They're people. Like he would not be happy with that. 
that has an effect. Like he's of a certain caliber and talent this that like bad, that's not Patriots, acceptable. The Patriots don't care that they're people. No, right? Absol- and like absolutely I, not. But they win Super Bowls so they can afford to do that. Well, maybe they do that, so that's why they win Super Bowls. That sounds <laughs> maybe, bad. Yeah, that sounds bad. But it's like, like um, chicken but, and egg. But situation I guess there. I mean it is a it is a third round pick we're getting. Like a third round pick versus a fifth. But round we pick gave her well. a fifth round pick. But still, like that's pretty valuable. I like, like a third, I like third. But round their picks. third, third round, round. I like third round picks too. But their third round pick next year is going to be the top of the. Third draft round picks, order. Third round picks, if you have a good it's, talent evaluation team, like you can get some really good players in the third. I mean, granted it was no. the very front of the third round, but we got Larry Ogunjobi in the third round last year, and he's that's true. killer. I mean killer. the he's, best thing, he's the reason we're getting rid of yeah, I mean, Jones, It's the best be part about this and, trade is that he's gonna be freed up to play more. And I honestly and Coley, and, uh, Coley was just kind of eh, okay last year. But he got My, some pass rush though. Coley Coley's good. He's he's underrated because nobody actually cares who he is. But I I don't think that you can't replace. But the Coley. thing is, is I don't think we get rid of Danny Shelton if we don't think that we have at least two people to play the position if that you, are going to be able to rotate. They also really well, like Coley Caleb Brantley. I think they like Caleb Brantley too, and so and I think it's those option. three guys on a rotation in the middle plus with a Jamie little bit Meter, of Jamie Meter, who can just be the run stuffer. At yeah. $1.9 million a year, yeah. which is great. Which, I mean, Brantley doesn't – none of those guys cost a thing. How big is Ogba? 280. If we draft – 270. If we draft Chubb, uh-huh. could we move Ogba inside and send him in on the rotation? Pass rush down. On, on pass, pass rush downs, he or Garrett could move inside for sure. Garrett's nasty on the inside. Because he's so quick. Because he's so quick. He just like destroys the – interior the... guys have no idea what to do with him. That was his first play from scrimmage. Was he was on was lined up in the interior and he that just could be blew nice. past the his jet. first sack. I just want to go on record and it say was his first play. Oh yeah, because he was coming off that was. injury. I forgot. It was. It was his first play. Yeah. And yes, also his first, also sack. his first sack. <laughs> God, I, I'm so excited. <laughs> that him. is the most hype thing ever. That's amazing. His first play of his NFL career was a sack. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not torn up about. I. I think I regret like. I'm more upset about the Denny Shelton trade in the abstract of like what it means that we have another first round pick that just like didn't work out and didn't stick around long term than I am thinking about actually losing Danny Shelton. Um, bec- and it's primarily just because he's not a good fit with That's our fair. current scheme and our defense. And the Ogunjobi piece yep. is what makes everything yep. all okay. Yep. I mean, Ogunjobi clearly deserved more playing time than he got last year. And now he's going to get that. And I think that's that's all well and good. And yeah. I don't think any of us can really no. complain about that. So to move up a little bit for my guy, you know you're going to move on from a year from now anyways. Yeah. Um, I don't to move think... up a little bit in the draft, yeah. um, to be clear, from a guy that you know you're going to let walk next year anyways. I, I think that's fine. And I don't think we were going to get a decent compensatory pick for him. I mean, his salary wasn't going to be nope. high enough, and we weren't going to hold off on free agency to mm-hmm. to merit it. So I, I think it's a – I wish we got more compensation, but it's a, it's a fine move overall. So, all right, we so we talked about Danny Shelton. We talked a little bit about um, – the Chris Hubbard, who we signed. What do you guys think about this Chris Smith, the defensive end? He signed a three-year, $12 million contract. He's basically just going to be um, some depth for us on the defensive end position. 
pass rushing, that kind of thing. What do you guys think? Instead Have you guys of, watched his film? Instead of going player by player, I'd, I would like to know what y'all think is the best free agent signing that we've had hmm. to, to start. Like, which one gets you most excited? When you look at it, I I, I see seven yeah, people it's gonna be Chris, on my list. It's going to be Chris Smith. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Michael, go what, first. I think I know yours. You do? I think so. Oh, I like Chris Hubbard. Okay. I don't know if that's what you No, that's not say. who I expected. But the reason I like Chris Hubbard is because I like picking an ascending player and locking him in for a long period of time. Yeah. So we signed Chris Hubbard for a five-year deal, and on the outset, it looks like a lot of money. But if you're paying a solid starter at on your offensive line, a guy that can be a bedrock as a tackle on Under, either side, like that's not an expensive deal to be like a thirty million dollar. I think it's thirty seven million dollars over yeah. five years. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty reasonable eighteen deal. million guaranteed if he, if he produces and and the fact that he's like praised by everyone that's talked that's t- spoken anything about him and Todd like, Haley coached him like yeah. he was like. The right tackle while Todd Haley was there. Like, Todd Haley knows it's a good call. So He was in the room. That is my – it's like the Steph Curry type of signing. Like, you sign the guy before he really, yeah. like, is like reached his full potential. The fact that the and Warriors – And it looks like a complete steal. You know what I mean? So Steph I just Curry think, was playing for 10 mil a year for so many years on the Warriors. It was just nuts. Right, but it's that type of signing. Like, you have to have that sort of, like I, – I kind of would much prefer to pay this guy – that sort of money than to pay through my teeth for um, Nate Solder, yeah. who's a 30-plus-year-old left tackle that's only going to be declining. We're paying a guy as he's ascending, and yeah. I, I much prefer that type of um, free agent signing. And honestly, most of our free agent signings like reflect that same mold. Like We're getting guys all on their second deal pretty much entirely, and they're not all that expensive. We're adding depth and competition to our team. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited about Chris Hubbard, too. Um, my answer is probably, like, the least sexy answer. Darren I'm, Fells. I'm pumped about Darren Fells. <laughs> yeah. I'm pumped about having a blocking yeah. tight end who can actually block. Yeah. For the last two years, the Browns have had a blocking tight end who's been awful at blocking, which <laughs> I'm just not sure, like, how, how you do that. That's going to make a huge difference. Um, helps in alleviate our game. the Joe Thomas absence. Absolutely, because you can you can put him on the left side with um, Coleman yep. if he and needs help, help him out a little bit, yeah, and give him a little help, give him a little assistance. With we the have, weapons that we have, we have the ability to be able to do that. Yeah. Send out send out four in a passing route and keep Darren Fells in pass block. Like if you're gonna try to blitz on us, guess what? We're gonna yeah. throw we're gonna throw it to Jarvis Landry right behind your blitz. Like yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing, and it's a, a three year twelve million dollar deal. I mean. It's a little rich. So this is the reason it's I a don't little bit rich, like the Darren Fells deal. But it doesn't he matter. He played for a million dollars on the Lions last year. And he's making $4 million a year on a multi-year deal for the Browns. So that's, that, that, that's the only reason I don't love that one. But the, the role he's going to fill and the difference he's going to make on the field is absolutely yeah. like I mean, he's only getting like four, for the Browns. four and a half mil guaranteed. So... At the end of the day, like we have him for a year for four mil, and we can cut him for about a mil and a half. Yeah, um, I think I'm trying to decide what my favorite one is. I'm gonna have to go with 
Carlos Hyde. I think I'm going to go with Carlos Hyde. Chris Smith. I think I'm going to go with Carlos Hyde because I'm not going to say Chris Smith, and I want to say someone different than both of y'all. And let's be honest, there wasn't that many. They were talking about it going crazy in free agency, but after all these trades, there wasn't that many like sexy free agent signings. Um, and I, which I'm happy about. By yeah, the way. no, absolutely. No, I am too. And I, I'm happy that we're not going to be running Isaiah Crowell as our number one back anymore. Um, I'm sick and tired of him putting down his head and running directly into the back of the linemen and not actually reading the holes. Um, I'm surprised he I didn't think there's go out to be, San Francisco, to be I, honest. I thought that was going to happen with Kyle Shanahan as like a sure thing. I did too, but then they gave 28 mil to Jarek McKinnon, McKinnon, which Ooh, is That's oof. crazy, and I'm woof. glad we didn't do that. No, oh, me too. Here's the piss out of me, though, with for Duke what Johnson. it means for Duke Johnson. But like, I think Carlos Hyde is, is better than Isaiah Crowell, negligibly, but better. If I'm Duke Johnson's agent, I don't sign a deal for anything less than what Jarek McKinnon just got. There's no way he's going to sign early. I don't know why you would sign early if you're Duke Johnson. Like, I would go to free agency. Traditionally, the running back market's been slow in free agency, so you run that risk, but... It was hot for those guys. Deion Lewis and Jarek McKinnon. The, the guys paid. who can catch passes. Got paid. Which is yeah. Duke. Which and is Duke. That's exactly the mold that he fits. I mean, like, like, if he hits the market, like, he's going to get so much more money than I'll I think give, the Browns are I'll willing to pay I'll give Duke whatever he wants. I would. Oh. I will too. Oh my goodness! I would hate to watch that guy walk and then just crush it and, with another team. Yeah, and just be like a, a MVP candidate because oh, if Duke Johnson was so on a team with good. someone who can like plan an offense around him. Like, oh yeah. If Sean Payton had Duke Johnson instead of Alvin Kamara, it's the same situation. Yeah. Right, like it's the same. You're getting just as many yards out of him. Yeah, like eighteen hundred like, yards seasons. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, it was Hugh Jackson last year, so yeah. he so, shat the bed. So four carries. Yeah. Crowell gets the other four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we're then throwing swap. to tight ends and wide receivers. <laughs> so oh, didn't Mark, get the first down. Bob. Mark, yep. you mentioned Carlos Hyde is your favorite, and it sounds like it's basically because it's not Isaiah Crowell. Like I, I just don't know. Well, I was what we're say, getting with I was Carlos Hyde. Say the guy's Fels. injury prone. The guy's injury prone. Carlos Hyde is. So he played. Which Crowell was super durable. And so he, you can say he's injury prone, but last year he played 13 games. The year before he played 16. So that's good. He's yeah. He I mean, he's games. he started his his career injury prone, but he he's been fairly durable the last two years. If I have a starting running back, I don't expect him to play 16 games because those guys take a freaking beating. I mean, I don't think this in any way inhibits us from drafting someone. But no, I th- no I, not at all. It it keeps us from drafting Barkley, which like was never going to happen. I didn't think it would happen either. Sorry, Browns Twitter. Yep. Um, so, Mark, but you did ask the question about Chris Smith. And to be completely candid, I don't know a ton about Chris Smith. Um, but me I love that, Me neither. That's why I asked. But I love having a rotational defensive end that is known to be a good pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Because, to be quite honest, our rotational defensive ends right now, namely Carl Nassib and um, why am I drawn up? Nate Orchard. Are Orchard's n- gone. Are like not, there's there's not a chance he makes a team. They're not good pass rushers. Like no. they don't provide any sort of. Carl threat Nassib has never. To the I've never seen a Carl Nassib sack. I don't think I've ever seen it. One. It's you been have, a, it's been a hustle have. sack though. Like yeah. where the quarterback holds the ball, like rolls out, 
Yeah. Hold now, the ball I'll way tell too you, long. I'll tell you what Carl Nassib's great at. He's great at not getting the sack and jumping up and batting down the ball, which is value because he no, realizes it is value. he knows that he's not going to get there. He's already got that in his head but that's before why he starts rushing. Like, I have no problem with Carl Nassib being our number four defensive end. Carl Nassib's like, an angular uh, power rusher. Yeah, no, and it is that's great. all that he is. And he and he blocks like kicks. Yeah, and that's great. Like you can be on my team for as long as you want for a league minimum deal. <laughs> here's here's the thing. Um, I I'm just I'm just going back to this Carlos Hyde question. Yep. Sorry, um, we're bouncing all over we're the bouncing place here, all over the place. But here's the thing: is I was reading earlier about Carlos Hyde and how he had one of the league highest um, yards per average yards after first contact. And we as the Browns had one of the highest yards before first contact for our running backs. And Isaiah Correll As far as blocking. As far as blocking and stuff. So if we get our we got our running backs down the field. Isaiah Correll got down the field before he hit someone first. Crow was pretty good at that if he didn't trip before he before he got to contact. Yeah, so like you combine those two things together just on like like that yeah. seems like a good fit as just logically, far as yeah. just sure. logically unless there's extraneous factors. And so I'm I'm excited about him because I wanted us to sign a running back because I think he's better than I don't want us to draft Saquon number one overall. And it's just good to have someone on the books who's a downhill runner, forceful, violent. Yeah. I mean if the Browns were gonna sign a free agent running back to be like the starter in week one, I think Carlos Hyde is the guy that I would have picked for the Browns to to select. Oh yeah, I mean of all the free agency options, I think he's the guy that I would pick. So I in in that sense, I can't complain. I don't think we're overpaying him. I think it's a fairly reasonable deal, pretty the, middle of the market like running back. It's deal. the Latavius Murray deal essentially. I don't we don't have the guaranteed numbers, yeah, out here, but. I would imagine that it's, it's three years, fifteen million. It's probably in like the six million dollar range, so it'll probably be like well, the first you could, year you is could six get million, out. We know for him, yeah. So you could probably get out after the first year without it being like really any sort of significant cut to your cap number. Um, and in that case, we can draft a running back in the second round with one of our three second round picks, and. Just en- enjoy what that is, having basically a free running back to just use and abuse. Yeah. No, it is. Not. And I, I really think that we're going to draft a running back at about um, – we're going to draft a running back at about an early second round would be my guess. One of our first two second round I, picks. It just depends on what the board looks like. It depends on – if like a Darius Geis is there, I think it's a no-brainer. You take a guy right, right what there. About Sony if, if he's there. If I wouldn't he's be there. surprised if we take Sony Michelle there. I think I'm, he'll stick around for to the end of the second round. But maybe. I think there is so much well, we depth don't. in the running back class that unless you're getting like the second running back, I don't think we use 33 or 35 to take yeah. a running back. I think we wait till the end of the second round. If Geis is there at 33, though, I think you'd take him. That's what I'm saying. No if Geis is there, he's the second guy. I, I think it's almost unmistakable yep. that Geis is – there's a clear one in Saquon Barkley. There's a clear yep. two, and then there's everybody else. Assuming, assuming we've taken a quarterback at one, best defensive player at four. Right, either Minka or Chubb. Yeah. Chubb. And then you would take Chubb, you would take guys. <laughs> There's gonna be so <laughs> many good like, yeah. innuendos. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, 
the the interesting question is if we can we make draft a trade. both chubs? Can we draft? No, I would love to I want, just just be all about I the chubs. Be all about the chubs. Just chubs for days. <laughs> I just it would just be make my job so much easier on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just like just I've got a, a Nick Chubb and a Bradley Chubb. <laughs> I got double chubb, and that's a full on hard on. <laughs> <laughs> so, but seriously, we can think mom doesn't listen to this pod. <laughs> <laughs> she I mean, Bradley at four and Nick Chubb at fifty nine. Like that would be amazing. Really reasonable. Like that could actually happen. I wouldn't. Is fifty nine the pick? The Eagles second rounder? No, no, sixty four. No, sixty four. Why do I think it's fifty nine? It's sixty four. Because they they it's won the last they won it's the Super Bowl. Be, right? yeah. They won the uh, Super Bowl. Michael. I'm Come sorry, on. listeners. I'm uh, thirty two times two is. Michael was more of a marketing guy, not a not a finance and accounting guy. Oh, I actually think I'm better at math than both of you. I doubt that. Maybe we should have a we should have a math, math off. off. <laughs> We've got so many competitions brewing. We're also going to run the forty at okay, some point. Look, look, no, there's like an actual measurable. To how many of you? Which of have, you took could, AP calculus? I did. What'd you get on the test? I, I don't remember. I got a five on the AP calculus test, so beat remember. that. I didn't have to take math in college. When I was a so, senior. So I, I got senior, whatever it was necessary at least to, to like get credit. I at was on the four. track to four. take AP Calculus. I had passed all of my classes up until that point. And then I was like, wait, I don't have to do this. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I chose to take advanced math, and that was a blast. So what do we think about the rest of these, these Not that. Um, signings for the Browns? <laughs> to, uh, I'm excited about the TJ Carey deal. I like, know. That's like, the only other one I think I like really. Like, it's significant money, but I don't, uh, like, I'll be the first one to tell you. I didn't watch a ton of Oakland Raiders the last, like, sure. three, three or four years. But what I've read about um, him and how the Raiders, like, they had struggles at cornerback, and he was their one, like, guaranteed person that they, like, relied on and went to um, and was kind of like the rock. I don't know that he's going to come in and be a number one corner, like a shutdown. Yeah, I still feel like we need to draft somebody at corner. And and that would be great. Yeah. But I feel pretty good knowing that he'll be a number two. Yeah, no, I think that him the, – the problem with the Browns corners right now is there isn't somebody that is like a shutdown guy that you can we really rely of, on. We have a lot of twos and threes. We got a bunch of twos and threes. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how it's going to shake out. Like, who's playing in the slot? Is it Brian Body Calhoun? Is it like I, I don't know I, who it is. I wonder if he can take that step because he's been so great in the slot. Like I don't know if his skill set translates to the outside. He's but played great out when he's been put outside, he's been so good. I would like for them to let him play outside. Um I just don't know what it's gonna take. Now and I, I wonder if that's why we made the move with De- with Jason McCordy and shipped him off to the Patriots and swapped those picks. Because I think they want to see BBC take a little step up. I w- I and he's in it. a contract year, yeah. so they kind of need to make a call one way or the other. He's definitely a guy I would love for them to sign ahead of time. Both him and Duke, if they could sign him, either one of them, in this offseason, I'd be thrilled to yep. get an extension from them before the season starts. Um, but I, we don't have a true number one corner that I feel confident in. We're just going shotgun approach, man. Which we've got, we've got yeah, a bunch of people who are decently competent who 
we'll we'll find some people in there. Yeah, and the, we signed Terrence Mitchell. Obviously, is another one of these corners that we signed, which just kind of seems like a guy that Dorsey feels like he drafted and wasn't fully utilized. It's like <laughs> it just feels like he was at the Chiefs, wasn't that great, but like he believes in him. Okay, I guess like we might as well give him a chance. Uh, but three years, twelve million dollars, like that's not nothing. Yeah, you're signing a guy in the first first day of free agency. Like you're having to pay too much. Like I, almost my my biggest complaint about these deals that the Browns signed is that they signed them all at the beginning of free agency, and they're like depth they type signings, where like I don't know how many of these guys were getting scooped up like right at the outset of free agency. I wonder if you can get deals though that way. Like guys who aren't used to getting calls on the first day of free agency, don't think they're and they're be like, signed. they're like, oh man, getting a call on the first day of the no tampering period. Like, like, I wonder if that's almost a strategy. Yeah, no, and to convince somebody to come to Cleveland, it's probably a pretty darn good strategy. Yeah, you're, like, you're like, oh no, you're, you're my guy. To, if you're trying to create yeah. competition, like a really heavy contract on the front end, you'd be like, no one's gonna offer you this. Come now. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely what they did with Fells. There's no doubt about that. I mean, that's way more money than he was making on his last free agent deal. So yeah. one thing I'm looking at the list of all the transactions the Browns have had on Spotrack. Um, Browns signed that Kevin Hogan signed a contract with the Browns. Is that Does anyone have any knowledge about it? It doesn't about, say anything about it. I know. It just says signed a Is contract. Like, was that like an option? I don't understand. This would be his third season as a player like I feel like he would have maybe there was an option or something that he I don't I don't know Kevin Hogan still a player on the Cleveland Browns great along with Cody Kessler who has not been mentioned a single time this offseason even though he was the center of attention uh this time last year Cody's gone there's there's not a chance really I, what you think, Kevin Cody. Hogan stays and Cody Kessler leaves? Is that what you want? I, Cody or Kevin no, Hogan's gone. One of one the, of the two are gone. No, I don't know that it's, it's definitely it's, Cody. It's not necessarily what I want. I just think it's what's going to happen. I, you think Kevin Hogan is a better quarterback than Cody Kessler? I think he, you think that the front I office think, thinks that Kevin Hogan is a better quarterback than Cody Kessler. I think the Kevin front Hogan office, was drafted by John Dorsey of the Kansas City Chiefs in the fifth it's round. True. Uh, that's not. A, that's not a great sign. Um, and I think the front office, when you're looking at third-string quarterbacks, will rely more on the coaching staff and their evaluation of who they want in that room. Because a third-string quarterback doesn't matter at all. Right. Yeah, he's just kind of pressing the rest of the guys forward. And so I, th- I think Hugh Jackson will go to bat for Kevin Hogan over Cody sure. Kessler. Sure, even, sure. Even though Hugh Jackson was the, the largest proponent of Cody Kessler when we drafted him. Oh, he was absolutely like Hugh Jackson is there's a term in politics and it's called flip flopping. And Hugh Jackson is the major proponent of that said tactic. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Okay, so what about politics, man? Who who would want to be wanna, a politician? Who would want to do that? It's just a crazy, crazy mindset you have to have. Um just be a podcaster. Come on. So, so what do you think about – we're talking about the cornerback position. Sorry, I went to go pee. Did you guys talk about Jason McCourty? 
Uh, no, not really. I mean, we, we mentioned that we released him or we didn't, we release didn't him. release him. We did release him so, for a second. <laughs> we released him for a little bit. No, and I'm, then... I'm actually still confused as to whether <laughs> we released him or got trade compensation from the New England well, Patriots. Well, we actually officially got trade compensation. <laughs> we, right. What did we get? Um, we traded to New England, Jason McCourty from Cleveland. We got a 2018 seventh round pick for a 2018 sixth round pick. So we got a sixth round pick. From the Patriots, which is obviously the second to last. Well, there'll be um, compensatory picks and stuff in there. Um, but then we gave them our seventh-round pick. So we probably swapped picks like uh, like five spots in this from the beginning of the seventh round to the end of the sixth like round. maximum ten spots. Maximum, right? yeah. So, like, so basically nothing. We basically just gave Jason McCourty to the Patriots. But... Before that even happened, the Browns released a press release that said we released James or Jason, Jason McCourty from his contract, along with Sammy Coates and eight other players who were just waived. So um, that's the thing is we obviously didn't want him. Zach Banner. Zach Banner. Yeah, Zach Banner got released. I know the um, the surviving the season guys are really distraught about Zach Banner being <laughs> gone. <laughs> so Adam, Greg, if you hear me. We I, love it's you. It's okay. We love you. We're here for you. Um, so, so yeah, we just basically released him, and then the Patriots were like, whoa, 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 wait, please don't do that. We'll give you a six-round pick if you give us your seventh-round pick. So I don't know that's how this picks works. after. Like, that's like CD, isn't that? That's CD. So what's so funny to me is why would you release something publicly if it wasn't actually final yet? Oh, it's just bad organizational communication. No, it is, but I'm just wondering, like, why wouldn't you release something publicly, like, literally at the last minute? I mean, I'm glad it happened, because we moved up, like, max 10 spots. I mean, spots. even though it's 10 spots. Because it's a last-minute thing that just kind of snuck under the wire, and, like, whoever in the in the personnel department that was dealing with the deal with Jason McCourty and the Patriots was, like, doesn't think two seconds about the communications department and that they need to tell them before this press release gets released about the... I guess, you know, I guess, like but just, you feel like you can just send an email and be like, hey, you know that like list of 10 players we told you? Like, but you release just, but nine the of them. Is, the thing is, is you have this myopic and then, view like, of we'll your hold, own department, and you're doing your own thing, but like, we'll and hold, they're doing their thing, and you I'm, just don't. I mean, I've worked at big have companies, Have you ever too. worked at a company before, Matthew? No, I have. I mean, I've, I've worked at AT&T, for God's sake. Um, but like, you would think you would be like, hey, I gave you this list of 10 players. There's a chance Jason McCourty might not be included. Why don't you just like press Here release those nine players? Here you go. And then we'll... He didn't give him the list of ten players. Someone else did, <laughs> and then the other person is doing the trade. It's just too big to. So, but still, it should have been. It should have been streamlined. So we're talking about these corners, right? We're talking about how our depth of corner is just interesting. questionable. There's no one that's like fantastic, but there's a whole bunch of maybe number twos. Yeah. The one guy I've been thinking about in all this, as we've signed a bunch of guys and stuff, is Howard Wilson. So Howard Wilson gets drafted fourth round, like kind of like a high could be an could upside be, could an be upside could type be corner. You know what I mean? I mean, you get guys in the fourth round that can turn into something, um, but he gets hurt and misses the whole year. And then we're signing these free agents, and I was like, shoot, he's got to be thinking his like he's got no chance. 
coming in, but now I feel like he's got a little more life now that Jason McCourty is out. Like, I mean, I, he's got he's, he's got as much of a chance as anybody we're going to draft this year after the second round. I would think so. I feel like he's yeah. getting thrown in there with the rest of these yeah, guys. You're a rookie, dude. Like, best, get in there. Best man's going to get the job. It's just it's yeah. truly the one position I think on our team right now that is like truly open for competition. Which. Hopefully there's some good competition that rises up because it's not like we've got a lot of decent options, but no one really set in stone. Uh, so we, we filled we filled a decent amount of holes. Like Tony Grossi said, we added older people, so all of a sudden <laughs> we got better. <laughs> direct quote. What was the direct quote? What was the direct quote? It was it was the Browns are older, therefore they're better. And then someone responded. Yeah, and, the, and he goes, <laughs> so the, res- the best response was, man, you get older every year and you keep getting shittier. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just amazing. Just so true. I wish I so could have true. Seen, I wish so I could have seen in real time, but I think all of us are blocked by Grossi. Maybe Michael's personal account. No, I've, just account. Kept, I've, kept, my, I've kept my mouth shut on my personal yeah. account. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. our, our podcast account's blocked. My personal account's blocked. Mark's personal account's blocked. Oh, it's man. just, I mean, we we just really don't like that. Did man. you also? And I really don't like his apathy towards everything that the Browns. He just doesn't care. He did really you see, doesn't. Did he you pretends see, like he does. Did you see what I retweeted this week, where there was a Browns fan who? Oh, so good, um, t- so good. Tony Grossi made a mention about was it the being, Carlos Hyde thing? Yeah, yes. being mad that people kept asking about Carlos Hyde, so he just kept asking about Carlos Hyde every week when they didn't ask Grossi. <laughs> For four years, and he like screenshotted all of the tweets. It was incredible. I was thinking about that, bringing that up earlier in the podcast, but I didn't think you guys had seen it. That's awesome. Whoever that guy is, I have I have your Twitter handle. I'm sorry, I don't remember it off the top of my head. You're my you're my hero. You're a hero. We love you, and we thank you. Keep Um, keep it up. A big a big thank you to (laughs) our uh, sponsors, uh, Barbasol, who um, Barbasol doesn't just have shaving cream now they now have razors um so for a close clean disposable shave barbasol now has razors so go out and buy your barbasol matthew when was the last time you shaved with barbasol last time i shaved with barbasol was about a week and a half ago unfortunately okay matthew's going for really is i've I've got to look sophisticated for this campaign wait are you saying you're using something else we told our listeners what you're now we're embarking upon you alluded to it earlier hinted at it we made fun of politicians for a second but mark i want to know how much would it how much money would barbasol have to pay you to shave that beard um barbasol would just have to re-up that contract (laughs) for us for the next season um if we get barbasol to sign on i will film myself shave my four inch beard um, it is four inches now. Um, probably since we started. Sh- it's not the only thing that's four inches. <laughs> um, no, tons of things are four inches. I would probably <laughs> say like my middle finger is four inches. I would say four inches on a ruler is four inches. I would say my phone is actually about four inches, maybe a little bit more, because um, I have an iPhone 7 Plus. Um, what were you specifically referring to, Matthew? That's four inches? It's You're- understood. Okay. Matthew making crass jokes <laughs> and also running for office. <laughs> it's a good That's combo. where we were going. <laughs> I just want to say that we were about to tell our listeners that Matthew was running for office, and then he decided to make a comment on what? Uh, Your penis. <laughs> 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 
I also edit this podcast so I can just take out whatever. Uh, That's hilarious. <laughs> that was one of the funniest things that we've done on the podcast so far. If we, if anyone listens this far in the podcast, then they're really going to get a nugget, a golden morsel. If it even survives the cutting room floor. Matthew, don't be selfish. Come on, man. Oh, you can, just, you can just bleep it out. It'll be perfect. Oh, Wait, man. it's bleep not a out. curse word. I don't mean to... <laughs> yeah, penis is not a bad word. No, it's just it's anatomy. It's just an interesting topic just to talk about on a Browns podcast. Just anatomy. <laughs> I really... Okay, so I really... I don't know what the listeners are thinking, but I really feel like this is kind of what the people want a little bit more of. <laughs> I think like they enjoy our podcast and they enjoy our takes, and, and they're hot. Michael's voice gets all high and squeaky when he's throwing out a really hot take. When I get upset. And we appreciate that when he's really upset about a Deshaun Kaiser interception. But they also just want the real slights of each other. You know what? I think that we need to hear from all of our listeners. Tell us, if, if you've listened this far in the podcast, tell us what you think. Send us an email at sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Interact with us on Twitter, uh, sinofourfathers. Um, and, and just let us know what you think of the pod. We'd love to hear from you guys. Rate us on um, wherever you get your podcast, five stars. Um, we are going to close it out with that fun little remark. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate you. Thanks always to our Tokyo listeners. RIP Joe Thomas, we love you so much. We will miss you so much. Um, I can't wait till he like works in the front office or oh coaches for the Browns. I just got excited something. about going to his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. It's going to be amazing. Legitimately, like, like that's something I really want to go to. Having been a life yes. a lifetime Brown, like I can be a fan of Joe Thomas for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. even if he's not playing. So I'm looking good. forward to that. I always whatever he does, I will support him one hundred thousand percent. Joe, if you've ever maybe had the chance to listen to our podcast we love you we appreciate you and you make us proud to be a browns fan thanks so much for listening everybody um we will see you soon not see you at all well you'll hear us we won't see you or hear you at all you'll just hear us go Go browns Browns.